Your next 10 million is a community dedicated to folks who have achieved wealth and are looking to achieve greatness. Our interviews and discussions focus on growing your family's wealth and cash flow with investors across asset classes, but with a particular focus on housing and real estate. But there's more to growing your wealth than just capital allocation. So we try to bring you a variety of conversations and experts. Please subscribe to get notified as soon as a new episode is released. All right, welcome to the first ever episode of Your Next 10 Million. I'm here with Cody Littlewood. Man, this guy is awesome. I can't brag enough about him. My name is Pasha Sfandiari. He's Cody Littlewood. And this is it. We're starting our podcast, man. Yeah. Episode one. Are you nervous? I, I wouldn't say I'm nervous, but like, you know, you and I are very much like, we have a goal. Let's just go do it and just kind of see where it takes us. We're not like perfectionists, which I like. So that makes me a little like, oh, I wonder how it's going to go. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. I think, uh, you know, not being in front of a live audience is way easier for me because otherwise, I don't know, the thing like thinking about everyone in their underwear or naked doesn't really work for me. But now it's just the two of us. And so if we fuck up, we can uh, we can handle it later. Yeah, I always just thought that when I've never like I've heard that before, but I also would think there's some really bad visuals in there. And so like I wouldn't want to do that anyways. Yeah, and that would take like a lot of concentration on my part, right? Like I don't think I would be able to talk and do that at the same time. Yeah. It's funny. I've I just got in front of two audiences for the first time really, in front of like 100 people audiences, and I was so nervous the first 5 to 10 minutes and then it was just like, all right, this is it's kind of coming to me. Sure. Yeah, you start to block it out. Yeah, exactly. All right, so like, man, why do we why do we start this podcast, huh? Like what are we doing? So I think this podcast is essentially just Pasha and my excuse and uh, to be able to interview awesome people and to like figure out how we're growing our business and uh, our wealth along the way. Um, and hopefully the conversations are interesting to the rest of you guys. Plus, Pasha lives in LA and I live in Miami. So we don't get to really hang out that much. So this is just essentially an excuse for us to hang out during the middle of the workday, interview cool people and like figure out how we're building uh, our business and our wealth, uh, you know, along the way. And hopefully somebody finds it interesting. Um, you know, we have a Pasha especially has a lot of really great people that look up to him and like him a lot. Um, so he's going to be able to bring on some excellent guests. And uh, yeah, um, I think that's originally why we started it. Um, yeah. But uh, obviously, as we dug into it, it's morphed into more. It really has. I know for me, the reason why we started this podcast is essentially you and I are on the same I, I would say place in our lives, you know, with our businesses, with our families. Well, you're you're definitely ahead of me in the family department. I can't wait to be a father, um, which I'm definitely working on and practicing. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think it's it's more so like, hey, we want to scale our business. Like we've learned how to get to where we're at in life now, and it's all about now where do we want to get uh, and how do we scale to where we know we can live into our potential at right. And yeah. growing and helping others along the way. Yeah. And then secondly, I just want to say, like, I think the re- reason we did start this podcast is because I love, I freaking love hanging out with you. You're like the funniest guy that I know. You got like some really <laughs> funny one-liners. That you got to set sure the bar lower up. for me, though, please, because <laughs> okay, I don't want, I don't want high expectations. <laughs> there you go. It's All like, right. a, it's like anything. It's like a, you know, an investment memorandum, right? Like set expectations low and then, and then blow them out of the water. 
So you're like a low IRR is what you're shooting. Yeah, for, yeah, yeah. Gonna, I, want, okay, I want everyone it. to expect like, you know, a 10 to 12 <laughs> IRR <laughs> and maybe like 7 to 8% cash on cash. And if I can deliver on that, then like I've met expectations. And if I blow it out of the water, then, you know, then, then, I, then, then I'm, you know, Blackstone. So. Oh my God, that's, that's freaking hilarious, man. I love it. Okay, so cool. So that's really why we started the podcast. Do you want to talk a little bit about where you're at in your business? You can let the audience know sure. what you're up to. Yeah. So, um, so Posh and I both have uh, small private equity firms that are growing. Uh, I built a business previously, a software business previously. And I think we're going to do some episodes coming up, tell a little bit more about our story. Yeah. But I am, um, you know, but, but I, I kind of exited that business and now I'm, you know, entirely focused on this, you know, in, in as far as my day to day. Um, well, do you want to talk th- about your, your your software business that you built? I think people will be really interested in what you built. Yeah, so um, so it's uh, not Facebook um, or <laughs> anything uh, quite as sexy as that, but it's um, it's just a professional services and design firm uh, that focuses on building custom software. Uh, some of the customers are like large uh, commercial real estate, um, which is actually when I kind of got my uh, my my first hooks into commercial real estate big firms like that and um, we basically we, we the, the firm basically helps large organizations that have traditionally been non-technical companies become you know offer a digital or technical product and so um so that's what the firm does is it basically builds custom software and then you know for other people those other people take that software and go make money off of it but there's definitely been a lot of up i mean now the business is like really consistent but i originally started investing in real estate because well first off i wrote some pretty large checks to the irs which sucks <laughs> um because you know somebody somebody said this the other day and i think this is so true and i i'm probably going to repeat this like 20 times uh you know in the next uh, 12 episodes cuz it like really burned in my head but if the average american had to write a check at the end of the year to the IRS mm-hmm. like you you didn't get your taxes withdrawn on your w2 or you know uh, you know the, whoever it is like the, the average w2 employee they didn't get their taxes withdrawn piece by piece by piece and they just had to cut a big check at the end of the year like taxes would be zero right because there it is way it, you know you don't ever see that money right like on your paycheck right you don't yeah, ever see the money coming off little bit by little bit by little bit but like when you write like a big check and you're like holy shit right like like it's a you know it's a it's a chunk of money even you know it, it's always a big chunk of money regardless of where you're at because you know if you're making 60 grand a year then 15 grand is a huge amount of money right like that's probably what your taxes are roughly right so um, if you're making, you know, if you're making 500 grand and you got to write a check for 200 grand, right? That's, that's still a lot of money to you, right? So d- no matter where you're at, right? It's a big chunk of money. And, um, but most people don't see it, right? And so when you see it, when you write that big check, um, that's really painful and it really motivates you pretty quickly to like, okay, how do I make this less painful next year? Um, so that was a big motivation. And then I think another big motivation was, you know, the business, especially in its infancy, uh, had a lot of ups and downs. And so I've never really fully recovered from that, um, even though the business right now has been quite stable um, and like really become a much more mature business. Uh, you know, and there's, uh, you know, a formal CEO in place mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know, sales teams and, you know, there's all sorts of like infrastructure that it's built now. Um, but in the early days, it all felt like, it, it kind of scarred me and I felt like the cash flow was like so um you know up and down right and so I wanted to bur- build like really like durable wealth for my family and, and like that really durable cash flow and so 
So yeah, so I can't remember where we were going with that, but that's a little bit about the software business. Yeah. Um, and that's how I originally got into real estate. <laughs> so basically you wrote a, a, a massive check, probably multiple six figures or even a million dollars. And then you're like, screw this. I want to get into real estate. Yeah, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> well, I, I, not initially, but I think I, I said, got like I asked my, my accountant, I was like, how do I not do this ever again? And right. he was like, uh, he was like, well, you could buy real estate. Um, mm. And I didn't really understand totally what that meant. Um, but then I started digging into it, digging into it, digging into it. Um, that, that's just like such a wonderful thought experiment. If like everyone actually had to save up for their taxes every end of the year, so many people would be screwed. People because just, um, just spend it. Yeah, there would be there would be no political divide. There'd just be no taxes, right? So, no like way. like <laughs> cutting that check as a whole. Um, you know, the property taxes are the same thing, right? People don't really see their property taxes because it's part of their mortgage payment. Yep. And so it's easy, it's easy to hide the real impact, the real economic impact of the taxes you're paying when, um, you know, when, 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 when it's, when it's just like, okay, if, if I'm increasing your property taxes by a thousand dollars a year, right. If I had to cut an extra thousand dollar check, I'd be like, holy shit. Right. But you know, if I have to cut, what is that? A hundred and, or no, $86 or whatever, right? 86, I think that's right. $86 a month uh -huh. um, times 12. Uh, if I have to pay $86 a month more on my, you know, on my mortgage payment, probably not noticing that as much. So, yeah. Were you anything like me that at the first year that I had to save up for my taxes, I realized, oh shit, I need, I have to delay the, the IRS or, or schedule it out to the 15th of October. Um, and then go back and next year I was like, oh shit, I have to save now. Like I got hit with a big tax bill. I was like, oh crap. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. The works? first like, year. Crap. Yeah. 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 The first year, luckily, luckily, I'd like, I had a big tax year and then was going into another good year. Um, cause like, like I said, right, like the, in the early days, the business was like, you know, like had its ups and downs. Um, so luckily I had the cash on hand. Yeah. But I had all these big plans for that money. And then of my account was like, oh yeah, you got to pay this. I was like, yeah. wait, what? what? <laughs> I just kept I spending uh, it. Every, every, all, any dollar that I could come coming in, I just kept spending it on other and more and more pro properties at the time. I was like, yeah. Oh shit, I have to pay this. Yeah. 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 Um, it's, uh, it's super painful. Do you, do you want to tell everyone where you're at in your, uh, private equity firm in the real estate private equity firm? Sure. So I don't know how, you know, how many exactly million of assets under management. I'd probably have to like, you know, go do some math and yeah. current valuations, et cetera. But we have somewhere between me and my partner, we have somewhere in the range of 1500 doors. Um, uh, between Michael and I, who's my business partner, uh, we've, um, we've really, we, we've both been in the business for a number of years. Uh, but recently over the past two years started buying real estate together. And then, you know, we had kind of a divide in the road. There's two ways you can go as an investor. Um, well, there's probably three ways you can go to investor, right? You can, you can just do everything yourself. Um, you yep. can go out there and raise money, but do just like kind of individual deals, right? Like you're just kind of a, you know, a deal guy. Um, or you can build a firm. I'd hit the point where I was, I, I kept wanting to do bigger and bigger deals. And so I was, it, they were too big to do with my own money. Mm -hmm. Um, and I wanted to, uh, Anyways, they, they, were, they were too big to do with my own money. I had to raise outside of money, but I, I really we we started to feel like me and Michael were like, okay, if we want to, if we you know if we want to, we're raising outside money, like we owe it to our investors to build out the right infrastructure behind it. And then it kind of like you know as we started building again, I I got excited about building a company again. I've already done one before, um, and so and then our 
you know our goals our goals also with what a firm can support uh we're able to be much bigger um and we did have big goals um so that was kind of like uh i guess you know so so that's kind of where we're at um we have uh you know a number of properties in georgia and florida where we we we're about to get something under contract in tuscaloosa which is why i'm going to pick your brain on tuscaloosa okay yeah i got a property there i'm actually selling it oh yeah to to kevin yeah yeah (laughs) oh is he is he buying it yeah he's buying it oh no shit cool yeah we finally came to uh terms on it and uh yeah Uh, that's exciting yeah it's pretty exciting but yeah i could let's talk about it offline all right, cool. So anyways, uh, and then, you know, we're trying to buy in the Carolinas as well. So to, that's kind of like our Southeast. Like there's a couple markets we really like in Alabama. We like most of Georgia, a um, couple markets we don't like, but uh, most of Georgia, most of the Carolinas, and then God, almost anything in Florida. Um, and so that's where we're buying. And yeah, I mean, we, we, we have a, a bunch of employees. We look at, you know, two to 300 deals a month. Uh, yeah. We make, you know, 10 to 20 off-market direct-to-seller uh, offers a, a week. Um, and we try to do four to five deals a year. So next year, our goal, this year, we'll put up maybe $25 million in, in capital, um, you know, in equity. Uh, and next year, we our goal is to double that to maybe $50 million in equity. Um, so this year, our goal was bigger, but uh, it's been a weird year. Um, you know, bid-ass spreads have been really wide. Yeah, yeah. so... We're, we're going to do two deals this year. We thought we were going to do four. Right. Yeah. Super interesting. I'm sure we'll like really get into all of the nitty gritty in like a few episodes like later on. I do want to say like or ask, what is your overall goal for your business? Yeah. I mean, we, uh, you know, as corny as it sounds, we want to be a, a, comp- a real competitor to, uh, you know, to folks like Northland and, you know, I, I don't want to say Blackstone, but Blackstone's real estate arm. Um, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, NACL, um, you know, we want to be a, a, a large competitor, you know, related group, um, in the, uh, you know, in the housing and, uh, you know, multifamily space. And I think, you know, eventually, you know, we'll probably start to branch out a little bit. Um, but we want to be quite a large firm, um, and, uh, you know, just have the sterling reputation that, you know, some of those names I mentioned have, um, and, uh, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of where we're going. Um, but, uh, but enough about me. I, I think, uh, also we should, uh, uh, be awesome to, for, for, for everyone to kind of get a little bit of context for, for where your firm's at. Um, yeah. you know, and, and, uh, you know, why, why did you start investing in real estate? Yeah. You know, actually, um, it wasn't for tax purposes. It was, a, it was more so it was always a means to an end. So everything I did previously, um, was so that I can make money to go into real estate. I I always say this time and time again, like I think, not I think, I'm pretty much uh, sure that I took my father's dream on because my father had a migrate here from Iran. And growing up, he always talked about, oh, I should have bought this house or I should have bought that land or this or that, whatever. And then there's a joke in like Persian culture also, like if you're not an engineer, a doctor or a lawyer, you just kind of settle back into real estate. And being like a college dropout, I just figured I'll just get into real estate. Um, But no, I've always loved it. I've always known that I wanted to get into real estate. Um, And so I started investing about 11 years ago and I started flipping houses. Uh, I went and like did an internship for three months um, unpaid and I just learned everything about that. And that's why I got into real estate. I think I'm almost sure I took on my father's dream. And this is why I do it. Because like I still to this day, any deal that we land, I call my dad. 
right? Oh, like, that's awesome. And he's always asking me, like the first thing he's asking me, what's going on in your business now? You know, like I was just with him yesterday and he's just like, what are you doing now? He's like, I'll just tell him we have like three deals in escrow. We got another one that's closing and we have the first tranche of the fund is closing. He's like, this is crazy. I can't believe it'll get me either, to be honest with you. So <laughs> yeah, um, that's super great. fun. Yeah. I mean, I love it. Um, so yeah, my firm, uh, what we do is we go strictly after mobile home parks. Um, I'm a yield chaser. So that's kind of why I started with uh, residential flipping. Then I went to land up construction for residential. Then I went to apartment complexes. And then I went strictly to mobile home parks um, in, in typically just the Midwest, right? Like if you consider mobile home parks as like a niche, we're like a niche within a niche because we only go after secondary and tertiary markets, smaller markets, 50K population above, really good jobs, foundational, stuff like that. But we're only dealing with mom and pop sellers. No institutional organization has touched the properties that we buy. Oh wow! Yeah, so this is this is why we do it, and then right now we have about twelve hundred and fifty. If you're including the two deals we're about to close on here in, in less than a week, um, under management total, I don't know the number either. I think it's about fifty million total assets under management, but I'm not sure. Um, you know, it, it's a really good measure to have the unit count, but it's sometimes a little difficult to say because we could have like technically bought all our properties for way over. Uh, what the cap rate should be, sure. but it is a good measure. I mean, it's it's really cool to be at where we're at. I mean, like for me, saying that I'm above a thousand doors under management is pretty cool. I never thought I'd get here, right? As a yeah. kid, which I think is pretty freaking awesome, right? But like, I was thinking about this yesterday, and tell me if you have the same experience. Man, I was just I was like, man, this is just the beginning for me, right? Like I'm 38 sure. years old. Yeah, yeah, and I've been able to create all this like not just monetary, but like wealth of abundance of with my relationships and my health and everything. And I'm, I still have about like at least bare minimum, another 30, 40 years of totally. investing. Yeah. Right? So we just started, which is really exciting to see where we're at. And my goal for Evoke is I absolutely need to hit 15,000 pads. And that's my goal. Sure. Yeah, no, that's like, I mean, that's a great goal. And you bring up a really great point about, uh, you know, just starting and like where you'll be able to go. And I think that, uh, you know, the power of compounding, um, you know, I think people think about the power of compounding with only with money, but there's a lot of compounding that goes on in a business, in relationships, in being in the market for a significant amount of time, in building capital relationships, in, uh, you know, in building deal flow. Right. I mean, the the longer you're in a market, the more you become known, and the more you know, you, the more you are the go-to guy to bring deals. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And it becomes so much easier with scale. Right. Like when you're first starting out, trying to get brokers to understand that you're serious and you can really like close on the deal is so much harder than now. Now it's like, okay, I've looked you up. I've seen you. I've seen what you have. Okay, we're good. We're gonna pick you. Right, things become easier, and then you just have a different set of problems as you scale. Which is exactly why we're starting this podcast in the first place. It's like we we got it this far, but now we want to get it to like you know the two hundred fifty million dollars under management, then to a billion dollars under management. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, you know, that's I think you know that's kind of the goal for this podcast, right? Is yeah. is you know we, is I think for you know who who this podcast is really for are folks that have that have, you know, this is not just real estate, right? Like this is, uh, um, we happen to be in the business of real estate and I think there'll be a lot of real estate content probably. Um, but, uh, you know, this is really for folks that have built 
that foundation that have quote unquote, you know, uh, I don't know if the, the right word is made it right, but you've built that initial foundation, right? You've built a, <laughs> you know, a significant amount of wealth, um, you know, comparatively speaking, uh, you know, to some, compared to some of our friends, like we'd probably be paupers, right. But compared to, I think the average person, <laughs> you know, we've done quite well, but the, uh, you know, but, but you're trying to go to the next stage, right? You're really trying to go to the next, uh, you know, that next level you're trying to build. That's why it's called your next 10 million, right? It's, yeah. it's really about you, you, you've hit your first 10, you know, now you're working on your next 10 or 50. And, you know, I think that's, that's kind of our goal, you know, is to bring in, to bring in these types of people, uh, that will help you get there, right. That are capital allocators that are, you know, asset management or sorry, asset expert class or sorry expert asset experts um right uh, asset class experts that's the word i'm looking for uh that (laughs) that kind of rolls off the tongue pretty well i know yeah right um (laughs) that will help you uh you know that'll help you grow your wealth um preserve your wealth one of the things i was thinking about as you were talking about it and this is maybe just like a mental thing that i have but you know the power of compounding and i think about how much runway we have um but it's so important not to and it's so important not to lose it, right? Um, yeah, you can build it back, but um, but you know, somebody told me one day that the and this is a really good point, right? Losing fifty percent doesn't mean you have to gain back fifty percent. Losing fifty percent means you need to gain back a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so you know, we'll be talking a lot about preservation of capital, mm-hmm. um, you know, taxes, um, how to live a, a really long life, right? Like. You you know the comp the power of compounding only really matters if you're able to enjoy it throughout the length of your life and you're living a really healthy life. So I want to add to that too, which I think is like really interesting to me. That uh, I think we surround ourselves with a lot of people who are on the forefront of like biohacking, right? Is a cool term now. Sure. But like when I talk to you know just uh, let's just say average Americans, right? Like people who really aren't studying it and really educating themselves on it. They don't really consider health as like what they how they consider their finances, right? Because I look at a retirement account the same way I look at my health. Like hmm. I'm yeah. doing everything today, right? Like with my ice plunges and my supplements and everything, not for how I feel today, but for how I'm going to feel 50 years from now, right? Kind of like totally. a retirement account, like all our investing stuff. Yeah. That's how I look at it, which is so fascinating to me that people don't see it that way. Like, yeah, you're. you're you're going to get old. <laughs> like You're going to get old one day. It's coming yeah. no matter what. You're going to live that life. You better start thanking your younger self for that future self. So we'll you know, get I, some guests on there too that yeah. will all be about health. I broke my I broke my back like five years ago or something like that. Oh, and shit. Really? It's crazy. Right? What it's were you doing? Impression, uh, playing soccer. So, which I is can totally not, see you playing soccer. For yeah, some reason, no, I like, like I look at you like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me, but I don't know. Um, like, hopefully good things. I don't know. Maybe it's the hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's. I mean, it's not. You'd think it would be like football or like you know taekwondo. No. Yeah. It's fucking Which soccer. Is, yeah. How? Wait, but I'm so fascinated. How did you break your back playing soccer? I I jumped up in the air. Um, we we play like the street ball five on five like indoor soccer. Um, and it's pretty rough. Uh, it's, 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 so it's, it's really competitive. Um, if you're in Miami and you want to come have a, a really, really intense workout for like Indoor an hour, intense. yeah, it's a, and it's an hour and there's no air conditioning Yeah, I've tried in it. the middle insane. of summer in Miami and you're just, you're just dying. And, and it's super intense. It's like all the Latinos here in Miami <laughs> that like take it incredibly, incredibly seriously. Um, 
so a little bit of a different game, but uh, but I, but it's a but it's a blast. Um, yeah. So, anyways, I jumped up in the air. Somebody pushed into me. I fell flat on my back on the concrete, or oh, well, it's God. turf, but then it's basically concrete, right? Yeah. Um, and it was a compression fracture. Uh, so, but the Iranian doctor. Um, so Iranian shout he's out. He's a doctor. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he's <sense>. a doctor. <laughs> um, he told me or orthopedic surgeon, and he said, and I said, well, you know. Uh, you know, when he was talking about my recovery, right, and the uh, uh, physical therapy that I would have to do. And he told me, he said, listen, if you don't do it now, you probably won't notice it now. But, he's, but he said, you're going to notice that you didn't do it in like 50 years, right? Or 30 yeah. years, right? So, so that's when you're really going to like, that's when you're really going to be, um, you know, feeling the effects of you not doing your physical therapy today. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I just did... um I think you know this, right? I just did stem cells in my back. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I um, went to Dossier yeah. Clinic uh, in Park City, Utah, and they just, I have a degenerative disc in my L5 or between my L4 and L5, I believe. And so they like drilled into my hip bones, grabbed bone marrow out, spun it with exosomes and my own, like, and my mm -hmm. own stem cells and injected me 110 times or 101 times. I'm still recovering from it right now. You like, feel it? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I, I could walk around, but if I walk around too much, I'm a little sore still. Um, sure. I can't lift anything and be very cautious about it. Um, but like, there's this weird sensation that I'm starting to feel stronger internally. Hmm. Right? Like my okay. neck doesn't crack as much and I don't feel as tense. And my back is They didn't do anything to the disc itself. They just like spun up a bunch of your Yeah, they put, they put stem cells in the disc. Gotcha. And that's about okay. it. And we're just hoping the stem cells obviously regrow that disc to be a healthier disc. And I'm doing it, gotcha. doing it for the fact that I want to be a father soon, and hopefully we'll have kids by the end of next year. And so that way I can pick up my my kids and be a healthy father. That is uh, that is so smart, man. Um, yeah. I like I really let myself go before I had a kid, and now that I am like, there's nothing that motivates me more to get healthy and flexible um, right. than like playing with my son so um and i'm only you know i'm in my mid-30s so i'm not i'm not super old or anything like that but it's and it's sometimes when i'm like and and now i'm really i'm really How old to are you because i'm 30 what am i 34 34 yeah son of a bitch <laughs> i know but i got i think i have more gray hair than you i have all this is gray is it really? um, okay? That makes me feel. Better. You can't see it in the ca the camera is not showing up. Yeah, uh, uh, my my nice camera for some reason I feels like is now lower def. I don't know what happened. It is, uh, and I, and my camera wasn't working. But you know, just we just having camera problems the whole time. Yeah, yeah. I, whatever settings I had are now gone, and I can't. Whatever people don't want to see our faces anyways. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, just listen to us. <laughs> yeah, um, listen. So, anyways, uh, but but like running around chasing after a toddler, it's it's. A, it's I, I I legitimately sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll be like, oh my god, like I'm really winded, and I'm just like chasing after a toddler. Um, so yeah, having kids, there, I, I think it's really wise that you're thinking about it now. I never would have thought of it. I never would have thought like, oh, I want to be in good shape because I'm going to be running after a, a toddler. Um, that wouldn't have yeah. occurred to me, but it, it is now. This is how I look at my life. Every every aspect of my life, I just look like what's going to happen in the future, and I just sure. start doing it now. Yeah, you know? yeah. I'm no, not a genius. Good. I just I have discipline, and that's about I have it. Discipline. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, discipline. Uh, there's a new book out um, by Ryan, the guy that wrote this. Is he the Stoicism guy? Uh, Ryan. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. Do you know what I'm I, talking about? He wrote the no. Stoic book that uh, he does the Daily Stoic. Ryan Holiday. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. So 
there's an he has a new book out called something about discipline. Um, but I bet I bet I I th- I, I the, the short long and short of it is is basically how important discipline is in terms of results. But uh, <laughs> but I'm sure it's really interesting. Actually, his, okay, all his point, books have been point, really good. Point taken. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But 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 I'm sure it's going to dive into, you know. Uh, it's probably going to dive into all the details. Anyways, right. um, that was a really okay. bad pitch. If Ryan ever listens yeah. to this, I'm sorry, Ryan. I know that was a really bad pitch for the book. <laughs> it's a <laughs> book about discipline and how it's good for you. <laughs> and how it's good for you, yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we won't get, be getting him on our show anytime yeah, yeah. soon no. with a pitch like that. Um, what, what else are we talking about here? What, what, what do we got on the agenda? Yeah, so goals for the po- podcast, who we're for, what we're going to talk about, yeah. So, so what we're going to talk about. So we, we mentioned a little bit about health. I think I mentioned, uh, you know, capital allocation. Mm-hmm. We, we will have, I think you can expect to have a lot of capital allocators on our show, guys that are similar to us across different asset classes, probably across some of the same asset classes right. as well. Real estate, uh, private equity, um, you know, and I, I know we we have real estate private equity firms, but I think typically when people think about private equity, they're thinking about businesses, yeah. um, lending private For equity, sure. uh, you know, probably some public markets guys at some point. Uh, I know we have a couple hedge fund friends um, yeah. that'll be interesting to have on uh, across different asset classes. Um, so I think hopefully giving people a lot of uh, exposure to what's going on in the market, what's going acro- on across different asset classes, unique strategies that you can invest in, um, introductions to these capital allocators, I think as well, uh, mm-hmm. getting to know them a little bit, how they think. Yeah. Also really, you know, one thing that we, we've spoken about too, is really getting like deep with these guys or, and women about how they scaled their business, right? Like what was it? What was the the mindset or what was that one thing that set them apart to really scale and grow their business to where that because we really do want to interview we'll interview people from all uh, across the life but we'll also interview billionaires and people who are worth 250 million but it's not so much like the, the way i look at it is we are all we can all have the same success right in what we do it's just we have to train ourselves to think a little differently or find the right person or solve a bigger problem. Um, and I think as we grow, Cody, like this is what we keep talking about, right? Like you and I, whenever we talk about our business, we just talk about like, okay, what well, what do we have to do next? What's the next system we have to put in place? And these are the things that's going to set us apart. And it's not so much like, yeah, what nitty gritty work do I have to do? It's more like the who, not how, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think you could expect a lot of that from us um, as well. Yeah, we have. I have, a, I have a great friend who's built. He is a hundred thousand passive through different investments, um, private allocations. So I think he's across. You know, he's in. I don't know hundreds of deals. Wow. Um, it's pretty cool, right? Like a uh, hundred grand passive. That's a that's a solid number. And he is an active business. A month, the, right? A month, hundred grand a month. Jeez, it's one point two million a year. Um, passive, just, just doing yeah. nothing for existing. Just like waking up and just making. Yeah, money. yeah, and that's all. That's yield. That's yeah. not uh, that's not equity events. That's his oh yield. God, that's that's his cash flow. That's that's that reminds me of like Tony Robbins. One mentioned that he goes. He was with sitting on a ski slope with some billionaire, and the billionaire goes. You know, by the time we end up at the top of this ski mountain, I would have made like sixty thousand dollars for just like living. And that's when Tony Robbins had this like epiphany of like, oh man, I'm working for my money instead of making money work for me. I yeah. thought that was pretty powerful. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, 
uh, I think that's that's exactly right. That's what we all aspire to, and and we all aspire to, you know, most of us. I think a lot of people listening to our show probably have passions, right? Whether that's building a second business or, you know, I don't know, or or doing something with charity or 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 family or whatever that is, and having that you know having that layer that backup of never having to do anything, right? Um, only doing what you want to do and spending your time how you want to spend it. Um, and not to say, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of folks in the fire camp. Um, I personally, I'm going to get, I'm going to catch a lot of heat for this. Um, <laughs> yes. but I personally, perfect. yeah, <laughs> perfect. let's say something really controversial on the first podcast. I personally, I, I, I think that, I think that fire is kind of bullshit. Um, and I, you know, and I'll tell you why I think that well, I think the, I think when you read it at the top level, or what most people talk about, what they're trying to get to, is kind of bullshit. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think even if you have one hundred percent, you know, even if you have have all of your expenses covered from yield, from cash flow, investments, etc. What I is this that, fire? Sorry, I want you to interrupt. What is uh, fire? Sorry, uh, uh, financially independent, retire early. Okay, cool. Um, and there's like fat fire, which is like basically financially independent. So the the whole fire like uh group is it tends to be like ultra ultra frugal and then there's this like fat fire group mm. which is basically uh which is basically to financially independent independent retire early but like keep your lifestyle, right? Like yeah. like not like living on beans and rice. But I I think that both of those groups maybe you know they tend to have a lot of like I people that hate what they do or like, Mm. or, or, but I, I think, I think on the surface, that's what it is. But I think really like it's the, it's, it's about, uh, hating the obligation of having to do it. Right. I don't think that most of us as humans are going to have very happy, fulfilling lives sitting on the couch every day, watching TV, um, and having money come in. Right. Like, like I think that genuinely, yeah, uh, everyone would be right. It's, it's not a fulfilling existence. And so whatever it is, right, like it could be work, it could be charity, but, you know, everyone has goals and stuff they want to work towards and time that they want to spend doing something, you know, productive and productivity could be building relationships with your family, right? But I think that, you know, but but anyway, so so I think that I can't remember how we originally got on this, but um, <laughs> so I totally lost my train of thought. No, it's um, great. Yeah. I think that's the, the key thing being is that uh, having, oh yeah, so I, I remember where I was going with that. So having the, you know, having this foundation allows you to to, to be free of obligations, to have no alarm clock, um, yeah. to have no calendar, whether that's Outlook calendar or Google calendar, right? But to be able to pursue the things that, you know, everyone wa- wants to pursue, but it's not necessarily, um, you know, it's it's not necessarily just, just hanging out and sitting on your couch. So anyways, we, we have several friends. Um, I have a friend like that. He's, he's doing like a hundred K a month. Um, we have, you know, other friends that are, you know, worth hundreds of millions of dollars, um, uh, you know, or more. And I think that, um, hearing them and hearing their stories, uh, personally will help me. And I, I think help Pasha as well, but also hopefully help the listeners, uh, understand how those folks went from you know that ten to fifty and that ten to a hundred and that hundred to a billion, yeah. Uh, you know those big those big milestones. Do you do you have a number where you would consider retiring and not doing anything? No, no, no. no. <laughs> I I I can't sit still. I can't sit still. Yeah, I, it's probably like something I need to learn to do. Um, it's actually uh, it's probably got to be a goal of mine is to learn how to be 
less, not, I don't want to say productive, right? Like be less productive, but to be less, to, to not have the feeling like I have to be doing things. Um, cause it, it is good to be able to not do anything. <laughs> um, to have the luxury to be able to not do, do anything and let everything yeah. run itself. Yes. Yeah. And I, that's not necessarily a skill set I have. Uh, but I think that, uh, but, but so, so there's not necessarily any, there's no, there's no specific number, Got it. but there are, there, there are definitely goals I want to have, right? Like experiences I want to have, right? Like things I want to be able to do for me and my family. Um, and for me, for me, I like, I'm really big on freedom. Um, and so I really like Naval's concept of freedom, which is you don't ever get woken up with an alarm clock and you never go to a meeting that's on a calendar, right? No calendar, no alarm clock. <laughs> I hate for That'd so long. I was like stuck on Zoom calls all day, right? Or not not just Zoom calls, but meetings, right? I hate being obligated to do something with my time. I would love to be able to wake up, you know, and and have that freedom to, you know, to to, to decide how I want to spend my day, right. not have a bunch of things scheduled on my calendar. However, I'm not. I, I enjoy hard work. I just I I, I don't like obligations. I don't Got know. It. I don't know. That, that's that's me personally, and I think no, everyone's that makes a sense. little bit different. No, that resonates actually. I'll tell you what. I want to say one thing. I like love Zoom calls. That was like the best thing that came out of the pandemic. Is no one like no one's like oh let's just go have lunch and let's meet because for me <laughs> it's about like productive time. So I right. I mean it's so much more efficient, so much more logical to just have Zoom call for forty five minutes and and go sure. there and. Yeah, I love it. Like, I absolutely love it. I I like the time freedom, but I love to work hard. And actually, yeah. I think that. Um, well, that's obvious. I mean, I'm going to say something also kind of controversial, at least in our groups. But <laughs> if you're investing, if you're investing money with somebody that is like just bragging to you about how much free time they have, like not free time, but if if you're investing money with somebody that's like bragging about how little they work, right? And because and that and you want to achieve that, right? I'd be a little worried because yeah. if somebody like. I want people that are working hard for my money. <laughs> so, so you know, yeah. like, well, I want to take um, that one level yeah. more. I, I want to invest with people. I don't mind if they have a, like a luxurious lifestyle and they can go do what they want. But if someone's just like, yeah, I don't pay attention to the business. I just have people run it for me. Yeah. Then I would never, ever invest with them. Yeah. 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 That is, it, it's for me, it's like the, it's the, it's the folks that are, it's the folks that are saying, you know, I'm taking off for five months and traveling to Bali. And I'm like, whoa, yo, but my, uh, what about, what about that <laughs> building over there that we bought? <laughs> so, um, you know, I guess if you have incredible infrastructure, maybe that's one thing, but I got, um, I got a question yeah. for you. Actually, this is a good a question. What are some of the things that you look for when you do go invest with somebody? Oh man, that's like a, that's like an episode in and of itself. Okay. Um, Just but a broad overview and then we can get into that. Broad overview. Right? Yeah. I, my so it depends on the asset class right um with startups it's the founder you're basically yeah. taking a flyer on the founder right like and for me it's will this guy break every bone in every person's body on his way to building this company or like in other you know like will he will he do whatever it takes will he be ruthless in in, in achieving the vision that he's built for the company. Right. And for me, that's when I invest in a startup founder um, because it just takes so much grit um, to build a new business. Yeah, you um, know, that's a really good yeah. point, especially for tech 
like VCs or like early seed funding or whatever. I, I've invested in a few tech companies earlier on. And I think right when you said that, I was like, oh shit, I need to think about that next time I ever do. Um, and I actually stopped investing in, in most tech businesses unless it's like a really good one and something comes my way it shouldn't have. Yeah. Yeah. I, I take, I take some flyers. Um, I think there are some, there are like handful of, of, of VC firms that I would get into, right. um, you know, as an LP. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I don't invest in a lot, but I occasionally something comes across my desk and if I'm like, man, this founder, you know, and you're, you know, as an angel investor, you're invested, you know, it's, it's, you know, maybe it's 10, maybe it's 25 grand. Right. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, I'm not making, I'm not investing huge amounts, but on those flyers, it's really about the, you know, it's about, do I believe in the problem? Am I like, okay, there's, there's an actual problem here to be solved. Right. Um, and do I believe in the founder? Um, and that's like, that's like it on the tech. Cause, cause otherwise it's all too early stage. Um, on established businesses. Uh, I think that's like a whole, a whole thing. I have not invested in many established businesses. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't have a, a clear criteria there, but I, I, I have some private equity friends that do and could, you know, probably lay out a pretty good thesis and I would invest in them. But I guess in a sponsor, you know, what I'm looking for, I guess, is, is like number one preservation of capital. Um, yeah. You know, I want good returns, but, you know, we mentioned it earlier in this episode, a 50% loss takes me 100%. You know, I got to, I got to gain back 100% to make up a 50% loss. Right. Yeah. So preservation of capital uh, is huge. Um, trying to game, game out, right? Like all the possible things that can go wrong um, and making sure they have a, you know, they have a plan for those. Um, at the end of the day, you're investing, right? You're not putting your, you're, you're not buying a treasury. Uh, you're not putting your, your money in a bank account. So right. there's a certain level of uncertainty that goes with it. But I think there are a lot of things that can be done to protect the downside and that can prevent major, uh, you know, major losses from, from, from piling up. And I know the folks that, you know, are doing those things. I think I only invest in people now that are building infrastructure around the investments. Yeah. Um, so many people focus on the acquisition and, uh, you know, ability to capital raise. And I think especially over the past five, seven years, that's been what has made that that's been what's made like successful investors, right? Basically, is like the guys that could raise capital well and that you know had decent deal flow and could acquire. But I've seen more and more folks' inability to operate, uh, you know, is is you know it, it is like the big difference maker. Yeah. So, are they building the infrastructure around them to you know to operate a really great business and? do they think about this like a business, right? Every time you buy a piece of real estate, you're essentially buying a, you know, for us, right? When we buy a $20 million asset, it's, it's, it's a business that does $1 million to $2 million in revenue, right? We're buying yeah. a, a $2 million, you know, in revenue business, um, you know, and, and so like, you know, when, how do they think about their own business? I guess, you know, those are, those are some of the key things I look for. You know, like I said, I, th I think work work ethic and like supporting the investments, right? I would I, I'd have a really hard time investing in somebody that's just trying to sell the dream of time freedom. And to do that, they're showing them living out of an RV for six months. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I, I, you know, on, on Instagram, I think that, you know, listen, uh, everyone does themselves and I think everyone's attracted to different things. But for me, I would be nervous with a general partner that wasn't significantly involved in the business or didn't have like a CEO level person making several hundred thousand dollars a year that was running the business at yeah. least, right? Like, like somebody has to be paying attention and, and you know, awake at the wheel. And there's um, a huge difference between like a C-suite executive that's paying 60000 to someone who's being paid three hundred and fifty to $500,000. Yeah, yeah, of course, you know? right, yeah. So I, I understand people kind of retire, step back from businesses. And, you know, it's it's really about what, what infrastructure do they have in place, right? I think so many of the, the syndicators over the past few years have like been selling the sexy time freedom dream, you know, the Grant Cardone's <laughs> on his jet and like yeah. talking about how he doesn't do anything. And, uh, you know, but... Yeah, I, I I don't know. It's that, so silly. Yeah, that doesn't attract but, me. So yeah, I get it. You know, it's so it, like this last four or five years have spoiled. I would say, like, let's say ten years have spoiled so many operators. And I I hate to generalize, Cody, but yeah. like you know, I see some of these pitch decks, I see some of these syndications, I see some of these funds that get sent my way. I'm like, man, you could just tell that they're just trying to make a dollar out of this deal right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I always get worried. My my thing is I always work with who is the person. And I think that's first. Like, do I like the person? Do I trust the person? Because I really have like a pretty high bullshit meter, right? Like a bullshit radar just because from I played poker. I mean, poker, everyone's trying to hustle you and try to get an angle on you at all times. Sure. So you just try to decipher through the bullshit, through the noise, to the truth. That's first and foremost. And then secondly, is their business model safe? And do I like it against the macro uh, economic backdrop of what's happening, right? Because if the operator isn't the greatest, can the macroeconomics kind of like help cushion the margins, right? Sure. Um, I, and then and then right after that, it is absolutely the third one is, is my initial capital safe? What's my worst case scenario? Is my risk mitigated? How can I get my capital back? What's the plan? And that yeah. is number one most important for me. And then everything else after that is gravy, essentially. Yeah, that's a and very broken down, easy overview. Totally. Yeah. Well, yeah, but we could we could absolutely we could do a full episode on that. You know, um, doing what they say they're going to do. You know, yeah. uh, how do they treat you during the raise? Right. If they're right. if 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 they're non communicative during the raise, like how do you think they're going to be once they have your money? Right. Isn't so, that the craziest yeah. thing ever? Yeah. Like I've been in funds before. They just don't communicate with me at all. They don't yeah. tell me what's going on. Yeah. We I didn't think that was going to be a big differentiator for us that you could always pick up the phone and call me. Um, but it it's, like is <laughs> so, so it's I, I mean, you yeah. and I are very similar. That's the same feedback that I get too, is like, oh, I can't believe how great you are with the emails or always letting us know. I always tend on over communicating always. Sure. If you want to ignore my emails, ignore my emails. But at least you're gonna know. I want to yeah. know how my money's working. Yeah. No, absolutely. I, yeah. I, I think, uh, and like, yeah, and, and, and communicate, provide updates, um, you know, and, and, and do what you say you're going <laughs> to so do, simple. you know, uh, I got, uh, I, I, I got really annoyed at an investment where I made, where they said, um, you know, they said it was going to be an eight to 10 year hold and they mm -hmm. sold in 13 months or something like that. Um, and they took a big cost seg. So I got depreciation recapture at capital gains. I wasn't planning on, and they did it like, I think the sale was in like October, end of October. So I was like, yeah. shit, like it's this tax year and now I got to go like figure this out in two months. Um, this is what we call first world problems. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> granted, yeah. And I think some people I mean, would probably say, I think some people would probably say, shut up and enjoy your returns. But I was like, they didn't, they weren't halfway through the business plan model. Right. Or they weren't halfway through the business plan. Um, they said they, they were going to hold for eight to buck. 10 years. They, yeah. they want to make a quick buck, you know, and these were not their biggest assets anymore. And, you know, they wanted to turn their attention to other stuff. And, you know, when I, when I told them, when I gave them that feedback, they were like, yeah, but you know what? Honestly, if we had to make the same decision, we'd do it again. I'm like, but your right. decision was to tell me one thing and then do the other. So I don't, I don't know. I, uh, I'm still a little salty after that. Let, let me investment. ask you this question. Yeah. Do you think if they provided an off-ramp where you could have rolled your money over into another investment where it was a longer term that it would Absolutely. have been? Like, yeah. yeah. But they yeah, just yeah. said, you know what? We're, we just abandoned what we said to you. Here's your money. Yeah. And it wasn't so much about the money. It's about, hey, I invested and because the returns, I had this game plan. And the returns were good on a before-tax basis. But like, right, of course. I did the post-tax calculations. They were bragging about the 35% IRR. And I was like, yeah, but like, did you guys calculate the taxes like your post-tax right, course IRR um, you know then it got significantly worse um, yeah. you know and then it wasn't that impressive yeah. um, so I don't know I mean and that's one thing yeah. we're, we'll talk about a lot on this podcast is like you know it's it's great making money right like and we'll have these big pops and whatnot but it's about how you shelter it through taxes because your trajectory just gets cut off at the knees if you're just paying high taxes on everything you're bringing in. And even in that model, when you say, like when there's a 50% loss, right? And to make it up, you have to make more money. But like, it's, it's the money that you had to invest originally that you lost that you already got taxed on. It's like a double whammy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's I mean, you know, not to talk my own book, but this is why we try, you know, we're like for, I'll I'll probably always talk my own book because obviously I'm not, I'm not investing in something or doing it a certain way if I don't think it's the best way. Um, But yeah, but, but I mean, that's why we like to hold forever. Um, And, you know, we do tax deferred, you know, recapitalization events through refinances. um, And, you know, because it, it makes a big difference and the investors that invest with us, um, you know, it's, you know, for them, it's just, it's the same thing, right? Like, okay, now I got a cap gains, to, you know, hit. Then I have depreciation recapture, and then I have to go figure out where to redeploy this. And you know, especially like, there's so many value add guys that are buying the real estate and they're doing like a a three year hold period, and you know, and you know, I, honestly, right? Okay, you've just stabilized the asset, right? And I, so, so I think as long as you're upfront and you're honest with investors right. about what your what your plan is, then it's okay. But I don't personally understand it. But you know, but 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 there's there's you know, I allocate capital differently to the public markets than That's I do true. to real yeah. estate. So, yeah. um, so and I think you think the same across operators. If you have one operator with a three year hold period versus one operator with a forever hold period, yeah. And I think it's really important for for people who are investing. That they really need to know their strategy. People always ask me, like, hey, should I invest in this, right? Or in that. And, you know, people ask my advice for things. I just say, well, what's your, the first question I always ask, well, what's your strategy? What are you trying to achieve 10 years from now? And if you don't know what you're trying to achieve 10 years from now, I can't answer a question because I can tell you what I'm doing, but it might not be what is best for you or best for Cody or anyone, right? So figure out what your goals are and work yourself backwards. Yeah. I mean, I had a good, I had a good buddy and had a massive sale, um, of his business. Uh, you know, it was, you know, it was low nine figure sale, um, you know, all to him and, uh, you know, and, and he wanted to go and invest in an operating company again. Um, and that's what he knew. 
and I, to me, I was like, I was like, that's, you know, to me, it's crazy because it's like, it's like you just got out of an operating company. Why, you know, what, why wouldn't you want to, um, you know, to, uh, don't you want to kind of relax and enjoy? And but it's what he knows, right? So it's it's really hard to make investment decisions for other people because the risks I see in that in operating business um, are not the same risks that he sees, right? So yeah. uh, he knows how to mitigate those risks. And so yeah, I, it's it's you know not just from like a goal perspective, but like from a unique knowledge perspective it's really hard to uh it's really hard to make investment decisions for other people and i think that's you know that's why why it's so important to get well educated in 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 what you're you know what you're trying to do yeah absolutely well i i think we we've um talked about a lot of broad subjects today uh on our first podcast which I'm very, very uh, happy that we're starting this, Cody. I think your wealth of information, our banter will come out. I mean, you should hear and see some of the shit that Cody says to me and I say to him, uh, and I'm sure it'll come out in different podcasts here and there. We'll interview some great guests. I think for the next two episodes, we'll probably be interviewing each other, kind of get into the nitty gritty of our lives and our story, where we're at and what we're trying to accomplish so you guys can get an idea of, of what we're up to. And then after that, we got some really, really amazing guests kind of lined up uh, thereafter. Yep. And you can expect probably, uh, once a week for now, we're going to try once a week frequency, set that expectation going forward. Uh, you can expect to probably get an hour from us once a week. Um, and then if we, uh, we can clear off more on our schedules, we'll try to do more, but, uh, that's that's probably more my fault than anything. No, no, it's (laughs) fine. It's fine. It it just, just, you know, wait a month and it'll, it'll, it'll switch. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right, man. Cool. Any last words? I'm excited to dig in. I think next next episode will be be a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Well, thank you everyone for joining us for our first episode of your next 10 million. Yep. And make sure to subscribe. Thank you for joining us today. We think it's an absolute no-brainer that hitting subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app will help you on your journey to your next 10 million. 